Well, uh, let me just kind of begin by uh, telling you a little bit about myself. Uh, I am a pastor down in Kingsburg at uh, Kingsburg Community Church. Uh, I've been an associate there for, gosh, 10 years, I think. Uh, but the well is uh, our church, too. So uh, My wife would tell you that the well is her church. Okay, and I work at the church in Kingsburg. Okay, uh, We've been here, we've been coming for five years. Both of our kids come here. Our son goes to the FIG campus. Our daughter had been going there when it was evening. I'm not sure what he's doing now. Daughter goes here at North, and so we rotate between the two of them. We come up every Sunday night. Usually we're here at North, and uh, and then we go over there with our son at least once a month. And then we actually afterwards go out to dinner. We end up at someone's house. Gail and I usually get back to Kingsburg 9, 10 o'clock at night. It's a great way to be in their lives because they're adults now and not be you know, kind of feeling like you're being invasive. So. And uh, you know, so we're, we're, we feel like this is a part of our family too. As I uh, was thinking about doing this, I thought the best way to do this is kind of share with you a little bit of my personal history because that makes you feel comfortable. Hey, I can do this too, okay? Because the truth of it is, uh, I'm 55 years old, okay? Uh, some of you might think that's oh, he is, or oh, that's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wherever you want to go with that, it's all right. Uh, the, the, the more amazing thing is, my wife is 20. Days younger than me. So I think she was a lot younger than I am. She's 55 too, so I can tell that on her. I uh, said, so I've been, a, I, I kind of, this morning I actually got up early. I, that's what I, I do, which is a habit of mine. But I said, you know, I'm going to write this out because I've been working with senior citizens for 12 years now, and I've become one. You know, and, and we have this a great ability to ramble. Yeah. And then Tony puts his pressure on to make the meeting memorable, right? I was going to dance for you, but. It'd be memorable, but it will be nightmarish too. So we're not going to do that one. But uh, yeah, 55 years old, uh, been a pastor, like I said, for 10 years. I wrote this out for myself so I could keep it short. Uh, been a police chaplain for eight when uh, 9/11 happened. I was thinking at the time already that uh, I, I was. I'll tell you a little bit about this story. I was working for a, a nonprofit and. I had lots of volunteers, and I felt the best way to get them was to be one. And so I was looking for a venue that I wasn't that I could volunteer in. So I became a police chaplain, and have been doing that for uh, eight years. I've done visitation, or what we call care visits, for uh, about twelve because I was doing it for our church before I got hired by our church. And I've had a heart for the elderly since I was about ten years old, and that's really the story I want to tell you about. Uh, I just want to start with my journey there. At, at the age of 10, uh, it was during catechism at a Lutheran church. All right? uh, I came to understand that I was a sinner. I uh, came to understand I needed a Savior. I came to understand that Jesus loves me and that he wanted me to love him back. At the age of 10, uh, when I looked at the elders who were around our church, and at the time that was anybody that was over 20, because right? I'm 10, right? I look at the elders in our church at the time, and it appeared to me that the church had become an obligation to them. That's what it looked like to a 10-year-old, that it had become an obligation. And, uh, and somehow, by taking the time out for a couple hours on a Sunday to show up, to uh, give you time, uh, to uh, sing some songs, to do some prayers, to take communion, we did every, you know, uh, give some money, that somehow that obligation got them to heaven. That was my thought at 10. Uh, at the, t- at the age of 10, I saw people as religious. And at the age of 10, during catechism, I was actually beginning to understand that it's relational. That Jesus wanted to be a part of my life every day. And, and, uh, and so it was at the age of 10 that, uh, it was kind of weird, 
this is a little, uh, you know, I always get a little emotional when I tell about it. At the age of 10, one night, I started to write a sermon. I, I, for the elderly. It was like, we come every week, every week, every week. And I thought they were all going to hell. And, and I was crying through it while I was writing it. It woke my parents up. They got up, we went and talked, you know, and uh, needless to say, I never did that sermon, okay? A little beknownst to me, my mother kept it, and uh, on her dying bed, she gave it to me. Uh, I think that's why I get emotional about it. But here's the deal. Uh, this is why I wrote it down. At the age of 10, here's my conviction. Uh, it's wrong to live to be 80, 85 years old, spend a lifetime in church, and never have a relationship with Jesus. It's wrong to waste your life doing church and never knowing Christ. It's wrong to grow old and end up in hell. And uh, it's wrong to sound like Brad. It's wrong when your orthodoxy and your orthopraxy don't match. And that's what I saw happening. Their beliefs and the way they lived were two different things. And I was 10. And I could see it. And so at that time, God gave me that burden. It was my conviction then. It's my conviction now. And it was really for seniors. But let me fast forward for you. All the way up to 1998, uh, Promise Keepers came to Fresno. Uh, at, by 1998, I'm now 44 years old. I've been working in a factory for 17 years. I worked in Kingsburg at a glass plant, uh, manufacturing uh, plate glass for 17 years. I'd been there since I was 27 years old, married two kids, both of them are teenagers, and uh, this burden, uh, this conviction is still a part of me, and, and one that's even greater. My kids are both in high school, and uh, I want them to be able to, to see Jesus in me. I, I, wanted, I wanted to step out. I wanted to be bold. I'd been going to a, a Bible college for four or five years. I, I was teaching adult Sunday school. I was, uh, my wife and I were doing small groups, life groups. Uh, I was doing visits for our pastor. He didn't, it wasn't his gift to do visits to elderly people. So I was a volunteer thing that I'd go f- do the, especially the rest homes. He just couldn't stand them. <laughs> uh, because uh, well, some rest homes, if you go to visit them, they line the people up at the door. And so when you come in, you got someone screaming to you, yelling to you, uh, you know, hey, help me, help me. I took my wife last week with me to do a visit, and we'd, it was right before dinner, and all down the hallway, you know, people are, you know, approaching you. And, uh, and he was very uncomfortable with that. I would literally, when he went with me, stop and talk to people just because I knew how much it irritated him. So... <laughs> He didn't enjoy that. Uh, but a- anyway, uh, t- to move on, uh, I guess one of the things for me at that time in uh, 1998 was that, it, once again, I just really wanted what I believed to be that self-evident. And I wanted to be bold in it. And so I came up with this chant. <clears throat> with this chant, It was out the gate in 98. I'd been in a factory for 17 years. Out the gate in 98. If it was God's will, I was going to go into full-time ministry. Uh, at the uh, prompting of some friends, I put in for the executive directorship of a nonprofit in Kingsburg called CAPS. Uh, it does food bank, it does thrift store, it does uh, Salvation Army, it does rental assistance, PG&E assistance, uh, counseling, just a little bit of everything. I'm a factory worker, okay? It's a Sunday school teacher. 
I'd visit some little old people, but I want to step out, and I put in for the job, and lo and behold, uh, I didn't get it. Uh, uh, they actually hired someone else that was bilingual, but there was a, one of the board members interviewed me, liked me enough, he asked me, hey, come work for me, and I did. I went to work for him. And, uh, and it was just, I can see God's handy working it now, but uh, uh, I couldn't then. I went to work for this gentleman. It was during that time that our church in Kingsburg, I belonged to, a, it was a Kingsburg Methodist Church. We were the first to leave the denomination. Uh, we became the Kingsburg Community Church. And, uh, and it was then, while I was working for this other gentleman, that our senior pastor, Ed Azaki, came out to me one day and said, Hey, it's a stupid idea, but I want you to consider it. How about coming on staff with me? He goes, you give me 10, 12 hours a week. And just do what you do, but let us start paying you for it. And visit people. And it, the, the board wants you to do it. They know that you know, this is my weak suit. And they asked how they could help me. This is how I told them they could help me. Let me hire Joe. So uh, he goes, it's a dumb idea, but I want you to pray about it. Uh, we did. Uh, I went to my boss. I asked him. I said, hey, is there any chance I can go to 30 hours a week and work for the church then? And uh, at the time where I worked, we did everything by committee. So the other employees and I all got together. And the vote was, Joe can do it. He needs to look for another job. He can work here as long as it takes. Uh, he can work 30 hours. But he needs to be looking for other work so that we can hire someone that can be just committed to, to our company. But, yeah, work 30 to the other 10. I started doing that. Uh, it was, I probably didn't do it for six months. Uh, long story short, the guy they did hire at CAPS didn't make it. They were looking for an executive director again. I went up for the job again. I'm now working for one of the board members. It was a little easier to get the job <laughs> second time around. And, uh, yeah, I got hired by him. And then for uh, seven years, I was director of CAPS, and I worked at the church. The first year, I worked 30 for the uh, CAPS and 10 for the church. It didn't work well because uh, the truth was I was working 50 for one and 20 for the other. And so uh, CAPS decided to put us on full time and pay us benefits and things. And so we did that for seven years. Uh, three years ago, I left CAPS. Uh, and the truth of it is, uh, uh, it got too big for me. I grew it from, uh, it was about a, $60,000, budget to over a $300,000 budget when I left. I had a multiple staff, and I'd become a, you know, who's here, who's not, who's tardy, who's on vacation, principles, policies, and all that. And what I do is people, and it was more than I could do. And the, and the church actually said, hey, come do what you do well. And they took me on full-time. And so I've been full-time now for, for three years. And so, uh, and I'm the pastor of Caring and Discipleship. Okay. Our church is about 400 people, and out of the 400, if I, every year I go through the directory, I kind of put a little sticker by people that I know are 65 or over, and uh, there's uh, about 200 people. Half the church is 65 or over. And so my ministry becomes, I, in my own way, I have my own church. We have a, a little slogan. It's not really true, but we think it's cute. And about the senior pastor and I, he marries and I bury him. <laughs> and it pretty much works out that way. So what I wanted to do was just share, because I started as a volunteer for him. I, I did it. I wanted to share my story because I started with the passion that God put me there for those people. And I think it's what it is. If you've been to the breakouts here where they help you decide what you are, I'm, I'm the harmonizer. Yeah, I'm a harmonizer and I'm a dreamer. 
And so my best day is when I live out fantasy, I guess. You know, nice fantasy. Here's some colorful papers. There's more than enough here, but some colorful papers. Grab, grab one. Let me have one. Oh, I've got one. I've got one in here. I forgot. I just wanted to kind of share with you then some, you know, what, what does caregiving look like uh, uh, for me? And, and if it works for you, it works for you. Uh, but I've been doing it for 12 years, and, uh, and part, of, uh, part of the best of what I've brought to it over the 12 years is, like, when I did volunteer to be a police chaplain, there was actual training going on. And, uh, and so that chaplaincy training taught me a whole lot about how to uh, just be with people. Okay. I think some of the best lessons that I'm going to share with you. Uh, the first one is, is really, when I, as I shared this, as I was thinking about it, was the prep. It's like, what are your spiritual disciplines? What is it that, that you, uh, what is it that works for you that keeps not only the tank full, but overflowing? Uh, because doing care requires a lot of energy. And you get drained really quick. Um, just the emotions of it will take you down. And so... To me, I like to start top. You know, so so I just tell you what mine are. Uh, for me, it's uh, doing life journals. Uh, uh, Gail and I have a schedule. I actually, you know, we tried. The well came out with a reading schedule. You know, read through the Bible and a half. I think could read it one and a half times, and and it was a lot of reading. And then they they abandoned that and went to okay, we'll give you a little easier schedule, a couple less chapters a day, and I think you do the Bible in a year, right? And we've Tried to do that. The truth of the matter is, I don't do it that well. Uh, the last time Larry Osborne came here and spoke, he he just made it, it insightful for me. Uh, I developed a program for my church. I call it a Contrarian's uh, a Guide to Discipleship, and it's doing a verse a day. Okay, I can do a verse, <laughs> and I actually write out uh, 30, 31 verses the month before. It goes in our church newsletter. It's there for people to take time to meditate with. I do it every morning, and when I do it, I, uh, I actually blog it. So it ends up on, on, a, on a blog that I write. It ends up on Facebook, and I usually Twitter that it's done. Yeah. Uh, usually it's done uh, early in the morning before I go to work. Uh, days like today, it's yet to be accomplished. But I do it every day, and, uh, and that's how I get filled up. It's, it's taking a verse, spending time with God, that, that fills me up. And, and then just, because uh, part of that blog for me, I, I forget who I got it from, but I use a little acronym called REACH, REAP. REAP, yeah. So it's, what's the reference? Uh, let's explore it. Take some time writing up my thoughts about it. What's the application? What am I going to do with it? And then I write out a prayer to God about it. And then I just post it so other people can share it. But that's what fills me up. You have to have something so that you're overflowing. And so I, I, it, you just want to be there. Uh, the second part, I think, is you, that's something you got to do before you get a call. Uh, I mean, and it's, for me, it's a little different. You have to understand, there's those people that, like, you would go intentionally visit. You know you're going to go there. You're going to schedule it, right? And you can kind of, you know, be a high energy level and know that's going to happen, okay? For me, that's a little different. As a police chaplain in a small town like Kingsburg, over the last uh, eight years, I've done every death notification, it, they usually happen at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And, and, uh, and so as I go on those calls, I, I practice the same routine that I do when I go call on people. And that is, it's like a fireman putting on his shoes. Man, when I get a call and I get woke up and i got to go, the first thing I do is I start praying. And, and my prayer is, okay, if there's any sin within me, 
I confess it. <laughs> you know, if there's something that you and I haven't had time to talk about, you know, we're not going to take the time now, but I want to be right with you because I can't do this. That's my first prayer. That's why I write down here, you want to talk to the Father, you want to talk to the Son, you want to talk to the Holy Spirit. My first prayer is God for your glory. Whether it's going on a, a police chaplain call or whether it's just going to visit a little old person or, or whether it's, you know, uh, someone close to me. Uh, it's God for your glory. You use me, uh, but for you. I don't want to be the center of this. To the Son, I, I do, I just pray. God, I, Jesus, I want to be tight with you right now. And if there's anything that's keeping me from that, let's just remove it. You already died for me. My sins have been forgiven. I'm claiming it. Let's move on. And last, I say, Holy Spirit, use me. The wonderful thing for me about doing care ministry is that you get this unique experience that's hard to uh, tell. But there's times that words are coming out of my mouth that I was like, oh, that's cool. And I'm not that smart. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just God gives you the right word at the right time for the right person. And you know you didn't dream that one up. You know? He gave it to you. And it just it's coming out and it's like you want to applaud it, but it'd be embarrassing, you know, so you don't. But but you know it was God working through you. You know it's the Holy Spirit working through you. So that's that's what I do. Uh, I, I pray that prayer. I say you gotta be prepped, you gotta be uh, a full, you gotta be uh, 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 take it to God. Like I say confess and confide. And and then the the, the really the, the whole gist of it. It's like, you know, we can talk and talk and talk, but the truth of it is, and this I learned from my police chaplaincy, you're there to be a presence. It's not what you say, it's that you came. That's the bottom line. I can tell you that people don't remember what you said, but they remember that you came. They remember that you were there for them. They remember that you gave up your time for them. And... um, and it's the most, the, the most important thing you can do is be a presence. The hardest lesson to learn is, uh, I've got it here, on, it says on the dues, it says listen more than you talk. The hardest thing to do is not to talk. Uh, we want to do it. We get emotional. We, depending on what the situation is, uh, the, just words come running that you know, we can babble and babble and babble. And really the best thing you can learn to do is learn to listen. Learn to listen or learn to ask questions. So that's just kind of, I wrote down some do's and don'ts from my practice. Uh, the first thing I write is, is to go as yourself, okay? I, I wore what I wear to hospital visits. I, I did it in, I wore what I wear. <laughs> yeah. This is, I, I have a pastor that shows up in slacks and a polo shirt or a suit and a tie every day to work. I show up like this every day to work. And I know that before the day's out, I'm going to be in a rest home. I'm going to be... Uh, at a hospital, and I'm going to be on a golf course. I'm dressed for all three. Okay, so, uh, and people are used to it. You know, it's it's what it's who I am, and and I really think I'd scare them if I showed up, in in uh, the two dressed up. You know, you got to be who you are. You, you go go as yourself. I, I wrote as a don't, and and please, this is me. You know, you go where you want with this, but I wrote don't bring a Bible, especially to a hospital. Uh, because the, the verses you need, God's going to give you. He promises that he will, and, and they're there for us. And, and to have it, uh, sometimes it becomes, you see it as comfort, because uh, it's God's word, and it is, but you, the verses you need, you ought to already own, and, and they ought to just come out, uh, if they're even appropriate. They're not always. The worst thing we can do sometimes is be too religious. They need us. Uh, they need us to be us. They need us to be Jesus for them. They need attention. And so uh, 
I wouldn't say I don't use Bible verses, and, and the truth of the matter is I take my eye touch with me, uh, and I have a Bible on here, so if I need to find one, I'm going to get to it, okay? I bring the eye touch more to bring music to them, especially seniors in rest homes. I have some little old ladies that are, that are failing, and when I get ready to pray with them at the end, a lot of times I'll put a hymn on, and I'll put it right up their ear. I say, hey, let's just listen to this, and it's just instrumental. So I do something that I know they love, right? And it's playing in their ear, and I'm praying in the other ear. You know, we have a little orchestra going. <laughs> so uh, that's what I, uh, one of the reasons I bring it. So I, I just tell people, uh, and here's the deal about the Bibles. The person, if it's like a hospital visit, the person you're visiting who's in pain or whatever, or if you're going to someone that just lost a child or whatever it might be, they're not going to probably notice the Bible. Who's going to notice the Bible is the people that are on the fringes, maybe their family, some of them that aren't believers, and oh, here comes the goody two-shoes, you know. Uh, one of the things I, I wrote in here, uh, I'm just going to kind of skip for a minute, but it's the, the last thing is practical. Uh, uh, where, where did I put this down here? Uh, I'm going to skip. I wanted to work down the list, but I want to tell you this one right now. This is a question you want to ask yourself continually. I know who I came to visit. Who did Jesus come to visit? Uh, that's probably the thing that I try to ask myself all the time. I know who I came to visit, but who did Jesus come to visit? Because it's those people on the on the on the ends that are just the peripheral people. Sometimes it's a uh, it's it's a mother that I've been in the hospital and there's a mother dying and all of her sons are there, and, and these guys haven't graced a church in years, right? And and, and so if I come walking in with the Bible, they're feeling guilty. I mean, right away, it's that, like, ugh, yeah, you know, maybe mom, if we'd gone to church, maybe mom wouldn't be. It's weird the way people get thinking, yeah? So that's why I leave mine at home, yeah? Because I want to be there for them, and I want to be who they need, need me to be, you know? So I, I don't bring one. Again, I told you, listen more than you talk. Uh, don't grab center stage. Uh, it's real easy, especially if we're nervous. When we're in a hospital, all of a sudden you see someone and they, you find out, oh, let's see, let's think of a situation. Someone has some uh, prostate cancer. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do is, oh, yeah, I remember when Uncle Ted had it. And he's doing so fine. Well, good for Uncle Ted, but this person might die from it. Yeah. So you don't want to give them false hope. Yeah. You, just, you don't want to you know, be the authority all of a sudden. And, uh, and, and so you, you just really want to be careful of, like I say, to me, it's always better to be on the outside looking for the opportunities. Just be there, be available. I remember a lady that was dying uh, years ago, uh, her slow death, they, they knew she was dying. Her family just had to be around here. We were probably in the hospital with her 24-7 for um, five days before she passed on. I was probably there 12 hours of that day with the family. Uh, I stood on a wall and in five days probably spoke three times. Uh, to this day, that family tells me, thanks for being there. I never talked. I, I always felt God telling me to go back. I'm like, why? I mean, I was really, I was asking them, seriously, I'm the wallflower. You know, but I was just there. You know, sometimes I'd go out in the hallway because they'd leave the room. I'd go in the hallway. I'd just put my arm around someone. Just lay my head on their shoulder. Didn't talk. Didn't say nothing was just there. And, and so, to me, that's what we want to be. Uh, I like to tell people when it comes to do's to touch. I think it's the most wonderful thing in the world. I would caution you, especially in hospitals, be very careful. <laughs> you know, you could be grabbing an IV and pinching their hand and not know it. You know, you gotta, when you get around hospital beds, you've got to watch what, what you could be stepping 
those kind of things. Mean, you really have to be alert to those kind of things. And you have to kind of know the person. There's some people, if you get a cringe from a touch, then don't go back there. But I seldom do. Usually it's good. Usually, and, and, and the only thing with touch that I try to tell people is, is you can get nervous in that, and all of a sudden you're talking to them, and you're rubbing, and you're rubbing, and rubbing, and now you're irritated. <laughs> so, so you have to have a sense for it. You know, it's much better to just you know do a, a, a quick one. I think you don't want to give false hope. I think that's where it comes into telling the stories. Been there, done that kind of thing. Never, never go down that street. Uh, I, I say if you're going to quote scripture, quote uplifting scripture. <laughs> okay, and uh, you know, for me, I think one of the, the verses I, I like to tell people is that you know, God promises His mercies are new every day. We don't understand what that looks like. You know, you're laying in bed. You just found out you have cancer. You go, where's the mercies? You know? And so if, my job is to help them see them. Hey, why quote that if I can't show them one? Where's the mercies? Yeah, you got cancer. Hey, you haven't seen your son in three years. He's at your bedside. Shame it took this to get him here. Let's celebrate it. You know? And and sometimes you get to you know I get to have those conversations with them. Uh, if there's a verse I wrote down, never quote. It's Romans eight uh, eight twenty eight. I wrote it out here for you. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who act according to His purpose, it's a verse to never ever ever use in a hospital, especially if you're visiting someone that you don't know. Because if you read the verse, it's for those who God loves uh, all things for those who love God that's what the verse says for those who love we think it says for those God loves it doesn't it says for those who love God and so you just knocked out a whole lot of the population <laughs> by uh, that it's not for them okay uh, what I recommend for people to do is to read this book it's not a, like a caregiving book but it's uh, Larry Osborne's book 10 Dumb things that smart Christians believe, and uh, and there's just a few chapters in here that uh, he goes over this verse. Uh, uh, but there's one faith faith can fix anything. That's Dominia number one, good one to read. Uh, God brings good luck, good one to read, <laughs> and uh, everything happens for a reason. Those are my fa- three favorite chapters. Now everything doesn't happen for a reason. The truth of the matter is, we live in a broken world, and. Uh, and bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. So, uh, yeah, I recommend reading that. I recommend when it comes to sharing Jesus, uh, different people have different approaches, but I share Jesus in prayer as I get ready to leave, as I'm praying for the person, as I'm praying for healing, as I'm praying for comfort, as I'm praying for mercies. Uh, I present Jesus in that prayer. I don't do uh, on a, someone, especially in a hospital visit, maybe more in someone's home if it's someone I built a relationship with. Uh, yeah, I'm going to spend more time talking to them about the gospel. But if it's a quick hospital visit to someone I don't even know, uh, I, I, it's just for me it's inappropriate. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? I don't like that uh, evangelism explosion kind of, if you died tonight, do you know where you'd be? Now, I'm going to do it a whole, this, and this is me. You do it your way. God's going to give us all convictions about how we do it. But this is how I do it. When I'm praying over the person, I said, Jesus, we know that you love us. You, we know that you love us enough that you, uh, usually I start off with the Father. Father, we know that you love us, that you love us enough you gave us a son. We know, Jesus, that you love us. You love us enough you gave up your life. Holy Spirit, we know that you love us because you're the one that has shown us this truth. So, Jesus in this moment, in this hour, know that we love you too. 
And, and my prayer is to leave that up to the Holy Spirit to do a work that I don't have to do. I just put it all out there in front of them. Uh, you know, there's a need for a Savior, and there's a Savior that's available. I tell people when I, I do a lot of funerals for the local, uh, for the local uh, mortuary, and a lot of them are for non-Christian families. And usually my, my, my line when I, when I get ready to do a meditation for them, I tell them, look, I'm not a theologian, I'm not a philosopher, and I have a simple faith. And I use this in hospitals too. So my simple faith is this. I believe that God loves us. That, uh, and that probably the ultimate expression of that love is that he's given us choice. The choice to love him back or not. And then I tell them about God's, Jesus' love uh, for them. And, and so uh, that's how I do the gospel with people. Uh, what else did I write down there? Don't stay long. You're in a hospital. Really, know, know when or when not to. I say that one experience I had where I was there for five days, uh, it was for the family. It wasn't for the person. I was on the wall. I didn't talk. Uh, most times when I go into hospitals, it's really quick. Uh, but we'll do one when we leave here. I've got a lady at St. Agnes, and we won't spend ten minutes with her. But we came. And, uh, and so uh, you know how to do that. Like I said before, uh, ask that question yourself. I know who I came to visit, but uh, who did Jesus come to visit? And look for, just be really attuned to the Holy Spirit. I think that's why we need to come tanks full, kind of on, uh, like, you know, like a fireman ready to do what it is we do. And, and look for that. It, it might not be the person in the bed. It, it, it might be you go to visit some little old lady at, that hasn't been coming to church. I mean, I do that all the time. And her husband's never came to church. And all of a sudden, him and I start building a relationship. And all of a sudden, hey, you want to go to the donut shop with me? I'll pick you up Tuesday. I'm going to get to share Jesus. I came to visit this lady who's been a member of our church for 85 years. But now I got to meet you know, her husband and, and build a relationship. And so you look for those, those opportunities uh, wherever, wherever it is, whether you're doing a hospital visit or you're doing a, a home visit. Um, I think you look for those opportunities. Who is it you can help? I can remember... Uh, hmm. I can remember when the Rumleys uh, lost their baby. Uh, I probably didn't get to Jen for weeks. I probably got to Jared about three days later. My kids lived two doors down from them, so we're, we were close. But who I got to was Mike Slayton, and I got to Brad, and I got to uh, uh, other people that were on staff because I needed to encourage them. They're the ones that are going to be there. I'm down in Kingsburg. And so it was like, uh, just that, and, and that was the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you know, I didn't, Jared didn't need another hug from me more than enough. But Brad did. Mike did. Yeah. I got to share with them in that moment what God laid on my heart about how, how to do this one. How do we do this one? Yeah. And it's not something that I can even tell you right now. It's, those, again, those things you trust the Holy Spirit for. So yeah, who are you there for? One thing I like to tell people, don't bring cell phones, or if you do, make sure you have it off. Um, you'll lose a person like that when all of a sudden that car call became more important than them. The, the, usually you're visiting hurting people, and they're pretty fragile. And, and the last thing they need is bring home the milk. And, uh, man, you just lost credibility. So I don't even take mine with me. I leave it in the car when I do hospital visits, most of the time when I do home visits. It's, it's in the car. It's got voicemail. It's nothing that can't wait. Not going to be there that long. 
so I don't do it. Uh, I said again, listen to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the best part of the job. It's the best reason for doing it because you become so in touch and in tune as you do it. Don't wing it. Don't, don't become the authority again on anything. Uh, last of all, uh, when you are there and when you uh, spend the time with the person, get permission to share it. The last thing you want to do is put something out on the church prayer chain that these people didn't want out there. Okay, and and even to share it with other people, it gets back to them. You know, get, get permission. You know, so, okay, hey, you know, is it? I've got some friends that just love to pray. Is it all right if I tell them about your condition? I've got a letter at home I got this morning. Uh, the lady wrote first. She sent me an email. Then today she wrote a comment to my blog. Uh, both of them were letting me know that her husband's prostate cancer is back after ten years. I hadn't called him since the first email. She's telling me the second time, it's time to get over here. <laughs> yeah. and, and so my first question to her or them when I see them this evening will be, can I share this? Yeah. How, how wise is this circle going to be you know, before we put it on a prayer chain or something like that? And so you know, get permission to do that. And last of all, uh, I was telling my wife about this one. I, I'm notorious for breaking it. I almost hate writing it down. But you, just, you don't want to make promises. And what I mean like that is, it happened to me this morning. Old guy called Park Kingsburg. It's not quite a rest home. It's apartment living, but it's just it's nothing but seniors, you know. And, uh, and I've been visiting them for probably five, six years. I see them every Saturday morning. I see them at McDonald's. We got this little thing. Saturday mornings, I run and get Gail her chai at Starbucks, get her a biscuit and egg at McDonald's, and come home. Then she'll get out of bed. <laughs> okay. So and we've been doing it for a long, long time. Yeah. We've been doing it for a long time. And when I go, what she understands is I might not be home for an hour because I stop and talk at McDonald's and stop and talk at Starbucks. <laughs> but it, I'll bring it home warm. And uh, this, this, this guy, an uh, old buddy of his, picks him up from this park, Kingsburg, every Saturday morning, picks him up, brings him to McDonald's. They have breakfast together. Every Saturday morning, I see him. Last Saturday morning, hey, where have you been? You haven't been over for a while. I know. I was here. I was here. I was here. I go, I'll be there this week. Okay. What happened? Huh. This morning, they're sitting there. I hadn't been there. And, and as soon as I walked up to him, he just says to the other guy, Hey, what do you think about this guy? Says he'd be there. I go, is the week over? I go, you give me till five tonight, won't you? Not the week was over when I saw you. Yeah. I broke a promise. I should have never, I said, hey, I'll be there soon. But I said, I'll be there this week. If I'm going to say I'm going to be there this week, I better be there this week. And it's really hard. You can get real emotional when you're doing care visits to make promises to people. And hey, I'll come see you tomorrow. And you don't. Yeah. So don't make promises. And last of all, uh, the one is practical. What else can I do or others do? You always want to look for that opportunity. Okay. What else can I do or others do? Especially with seniors, there's always, I'll see something. They, maybe they need something washed, something taken care of, something fixed. Practical things. What can I do or someone else do besides just be a presence? What practical thing can we do? And so that's uh, uh, what, I, what I do and how I do it. It's... Uh, I ran you out of time. Not a whole lot of questions. <laughs> uh, I would. I'll give you my card, uh, just because I got a cool friend that made them, uh, and I like giving them out. 
Although, I, I will tell you that my cell phone number is on there, so if you want to contact me, just call me. That blog spot that's... I never put it... He didn't put an email. He put my blog, and then I changed it, because I'm at WordPress now. If you want to look at my blog, it's just josaubert.wordpress.com. Not, not this that's there. But uh, if you're ever doing a visit, and you just kind of get lost in it, or, or you leave and uh, have some questions, really feel free to... Give me a call, and uh, I'll be glad to uh, walk you through some. A lot of times, uh, I take people with me that haven't done it before, just so that they can see. Uh, guys, I'll tell you, that when I bring Gail, it's like a home run. Yeah, uh, I don't have to say nothing. They just like having the wife there. She gets more conversation than I do. It's important to remember the one lady that's been up here for three weeks. You know, the last time we were here, she told me she was going to get out, get to escape for a day and get her hair done. Next time I was there, I told her her hair was pretty. You know, <laughs> you know those kind of little things. Yeah, it just, you learn to do them. But most of all, just trust the Holy Spirit. It's the best part of doing it. It's listening to Him and, uh, and, and just following that lead then. And really, sometimes it's bizarre. You say, you really want me to do what? And, and to be obedient to it, it's just, it, it makes walking with Jesus wonderful. Well, let me just pray. Father, I don't know how, uh, how or when or where you'll uh, use each of us in someone else's life, but it happens. Uh, it happens all the time. And so I just pray that you would equip us, that you would fill us to an overflowing, that we could share Jesus. And that in it, people would either come to know you or come to know you better. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.